Welcome to Growth Colony, Australia's B2B growth podcast. I'm Alex Hipwell. Each episode, we bring you B2B founders, CMOs, marketing and sales leaders to find out what makes them successful and what was behind their failures. Let's dive right into this episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode. I'm Shaheen Oda with X-Growth, and today I'm talking to Samantha Stone, founder and CMO at Marketing Advisory Network, about how to measure ABM campaigns and activities and what are some of the usual marketing metrics that marketers should stay away from when executing ABM. And the reason I'm excited about this conversation is Samantha's background. Samantha is the author of the popular book, Unleash Possible, a marketing playbook that drives sales. She also eats B2B complex sale, high ticket item marketing strategy for breakfast and has worked with companies like SAP, Essential Software and PowerSoft. Samantha, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. I really need to update that company list. That is so old at this point. It makes me feel uh, ancient, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I so appreciated the uh, opportunity to talk about all the great things we're going to chat about today. I'm, I'm happy to be here. It's an absolute pleasure having you. It's an absolute pleasure having you. So I want to start with, you know, you know, marketers in the B2B space have been measuring, you know, their success through a few key metrics like, you know, MQLs and SQLs predominantly. But when it comes to like running ABM campaigns, some of those metrics could create a bit of confusion rather than clarity. Why is that? I'm glad you asked that question. I was actually in a meeting just earlier today talking about how to measure their ABM efforts. And we were having a philosophical debate, shall I say. Um, You know, here's the challenge. The way marketers have traditionally been measured doesn't work well in an ABM model for a really important reason. So what happens in an ABM model, if we're doing it right, is we've identified a set of accounts that have a high degree of likelihood that we're going to be able to serve their needs. We figure out who all the people are there. We start building relationships with them. We know it's an enterprise sale. We know it's going to take a long time to nurture those relationships until they blossom into an actual opportunity and hopefully a customer relationship someday. When we measure marketing by MQLs or by leads or whatever words and phrases we want to use, what happens is we create weird behavior. Marketing doesn't get credit for the relationship and the touching and the engagement with people they've already MQL'd in the past. And so we, by our very nature, always chasing who's the new person we're going to get into our pipeline. And that is the exact opposite of what we should be doing if we're in an ABM model. We should be surrounding that relationship and that audience. We should be working side by side with sales. And it's not about adding something new into our pipeline. It's about what level of engagement we have and measuring the velocity of moving through that pipeline together. And that is the challenge of the traditional ways that we've worked with marketing. One of the other ways that we measure marketing that's even worse than that is we measure cost per lead. And it is the absolute fundamentally worst way to hold a marketing team accountable because we create false things that we can bring in names with that are cheaper than other high value activities. And quite frankly, I would rather look at the quality of the lead and the relationship and how fast it progresses through the pipeline and have fewer of those, but are really good. They may cost me more, but they're the right people and the right level engagement. 
I'm not suggesting we don't measure financial metrics. We need to do that, but you don't hold marketing accountable to that. You hold them accountable to a budget so they don't overspend what your business can afford. But you don't look at a per lead dollar value because in an ABM model, again, we're surrounding a series of accounts in a specific set of buyers within those accounts. Right, right. And, and you know, I would imagine that if you have that what's next mentality of like, get the next one, get the next one, you're, you're going to run out, right? Especially in, if you're doing proper ABM, you're not targeting a very large number of accounts. So there, there, there's a limited um, number of accounts that you're going after. So what is the right way? I mean, I, I really love the analogy that you, that you, you gave and, or the, the definition that you gave that you have to surround the leads or surround the prospects of whoever you're going after how should marketers think about measuring their success? How, how should they, because, you know, marketing always has the challenge of sometimes justifying uh, its work, right, for the business. So how, how, how should they go and measure their success? Yeah, we have to measure, right? We have to measure our success because how do we know if we're doing the right things otherwise, right? We have to find ways to do that. So I like to measure account-based programs really on three sort of different criteria. So one of the things that I like to measure is the same thing we measure in all our other programs is what's our revenue and pipeline dollar contribution or accounts that are are in, in the pipeline. So like a traditional financial metric that matches the sales metric for that set of accounts. The second way that I like to measure and I think is really important is to look at pipeline velocity. So in an enterprise sale, we have many stages of a relationship with a buyer. It may start with the very first time they engage with a piece of content. It may be a first meeting they have with a sales rep. Maybe we get to the, all the way to the point where we have a proposal, you know, and then we're negotiating terms. Our systems measure the amount of time that opportunity is sitting within each of those stages. Marketing should be measured and should do things to shorten the amount of time somebody needs to be in each of those stages of that process. Now, I used to believe many moons ago before I was really smart enough to know that um, I know I don't know everything. And when I thought I did, I used to believe that you can get buyers to skip a stage of the buying process. I'm just going to be so convincing. We're going to have something so compelling. You cannot do that. You cannot do that in an enterprise sale scenario. It's not an impulse buy. But what I can do is make it easy for them to get from one stage to the next. So for example, if they're evaluating us against other competitors, what are things that I can do to make that process easy for them? What's content I can create? What's process that I can provide to them? Can I give them an RFP template that makes it either like, can I, you know, what are, what are all the things that I can do to shorten the amount of time they need to be in that stage? And so pipeline velocity is the second measure. And then the third measure is often a little bit harder to do with our systems well and correctly, but is a really great, if you can figure it out, ABM metric around an account engagement score. So I like to look at if these accounts are in our universe and in our world, how active are they in working with us, not just marketing stuff, but in general, working with us? Are they responding to things? Are they opening things? Are they registering and attending virtual events we might be hosting? And coming up with a model about what that score is. Now, some scoring systems use time 
as the measure for this because it's something they can easily do, which is how much time are they spending on our website? How many things do they attend? It's better than nothing, right? That metric, it's not the perfect metric because sometimes it's more about what they engage in than how long, right? But at least you have some decision and some threshold that you're holding around, around that. So those three things, pipeline velocity, dollar contribution to the pipeline on with number of accounts that are in our target market, as well as that account engagement score is how I like to hold marketing accountable in an ABML. Now we still measure open rates and click-throughs and all the things that marketers, time on page, website visits, right? Marketing needs that, but that's our forecast data that tells us if we're doing the right sets of things. It's not what you hold marketing accountable to because we can get people to open an email, right? We can get people to click on things. If it's the wrong set of stuff that's not moving along the pipeline, we're not doing our job. That's it. No, that's that's awesome. And, you know, there there's also, so I really like the approach of going from revenue, then looking at velocity and then engagement. What about, you know, there's also the, um, another model, the, the three R's, right? Which is kind of similar. I've noticed a few different measuring models out there, right? The three R's where ITSMA talks about, which is the last one is the same revenue and uh, it, it's reputation, and relationship, right? What, what are your thoughts? I always, you know, I always looked at that and and I feel, you know, is that something that is maybe very specific to one-to-one campaigns in, in account-based marketing that is, you know, I mean, ITSMA kind of developed it from there where it's, it was all about the market of one, like what, the, the account is going to become a market of one. And maybe those kind of makes, make sense a little bit more in that setup and a bit harder to measure in one to few or one to many. What are, what are your thoughts on some of the other measurement models that are out there? You know, I think there's a lot of models that people can use, right, that work. What ma- the, the challenge in it, when you look at reputation, so reputation is meaningful. I like to look at propensity to buy instead of reputation. I might have a great reputation. That doesn't mean that I'm actually likely to buy from you. And so I think... And, and I don't care in general if the whole world, I have a good brand repeat. I mean, I do care. I want people to care about my brand and like my brand and value it. But what I want to care about is the segment of the market that I'm trying to go after, if they're likely to include me in their evaluation process, that propensity. So the challenge with the propensity models is you, you can measure affinity and measure propensity, but it's point in time, right? It's not something that I can accurately determine on an ongoing basis. So I think you should have a qualitative process as part of what you do to verify that over time. But the practical way that you solve for this is to look at within my targeted accounts, how much of that is inbounding to me? And when I say inbounding to me, I mean they're coming to my website, they're registering to my events, they're filling out forms that say, I'd like to talk to someone. Brand reputation alone is important, but it's insufficient to signal if we're going to be doing something. And then there's all kinds of attribution models. And I'm going to say a big ugly thing about attribution models that nobody is going to like. Attribution models need to exist. So let me start there. 
We need a model by which we can financially give credit to money that we spend in marketing to determine where we make our investments. But it is mostly a financial model and not a decision model. Attribution models, by their very nature, make you make decisions about what I give credit to. Do I get credit to the first time I met you? Does you get credit? Do I get credit to the last time I met you? Do I evenly spread it, spread it across everything? So if you interact with me 10 times, does everything get 10% credit? In a complex sales situation where I'm touching a lot of different things, attribution is, is just a guess about a decision that I make about how I financially justify the investments that I'm making. It doesn't actually tell me where I should be making my investments definitively because it may take six or eight times of engaging with you before you go, oh, I get it. And I actually know what you do now. And I'm ready to have a meeting. So instead, I like to look at like trigger-based things. And we look at what are things that initiate a person to enter our database for the first time, right? Let's, let's understand that. Let's measure those things. And then I want to look at what are the things that happen that move you to the next stage of the buying process, right? And I want to build my programs and campaigns off of those triggers and initiators. But attribution overall, it's important. We have to do it, but I could care less which one you use because they're all just an educated guess and a decision about modeling and trending. And just pick one, stick with it, and go with it. Do you ever find yourself stuck with a B2B problem? Need a second opinion on your next campaign? Or looking for some feedback on that piece of MarTech you're thinking to purchase? Well, that's why we created the Growth Colony Slack channel. This Slack channel is like a small dinner party where you get to meet and mingle with B2B professionals, hear what others are doing, and keep up to date with the latest B2B trends and news. You'll also get access to a range of exclusive content from our podcasts, webinars, and events. The best thing about it, it's all free. If this sounds interesting, head over to growthcolony.org forward slash slack and sign up. That's growthcolony.org forward slash slack. Where is the best place for marketers to start? You know, if I'm a marketer and I want to start, you know, I'm starting my ABM process and, and I want to make sure that I'm measuring everything properly, where, where do I start? Well, the first place you have to start is how you develop the target account list. How do we determine? And how a lot of people develop the target account list. And this matters because this affects measurement, right? A lot of people, what they do is we go to sales and we say to sales, which accounts do you want to be on our target account list? And while it is a step in the process that we should do, it's a deeply flawed step because A, salespeople can only tell you about the accounts they know right? So you're missing whole swaths of it. And B, there's not any analysis typically around the decision in make that they're making. It's the things that's in my territory. That's the, the that represents the biggest deal size. That's the ones that I want in the ABM program. So it's not the way we should do it. So the, before we start measuring the outcome, we have to work backwards to what we're trying to achieve and understand the segments of the markets where we're going to have the most success. We need to do the analysis that tells us where the best deal sizes are, where we have the fastest wins, where our win rates are highest, what's our cost to acquisition across those things, right? Once I have a set of criteria by which I can pick a set of targeted accounts to work from, now I have my baseline. 
So now what I'm going to measure my program against is if this is the set of accounts, what was our baseline before? How much revenue came from them before? How quickly did they get to the pipeline? What kind of engagement did we see over the last six months? And now I can set goals to increase from that. And so we instinctively say, well, the first thing I want to do is set my revenue goal. And then I'm going to work backwards. But we actually need to do it the other way. Where uh, Do the analysis about what's going to be successful, where we're going to have the wins, where we're going to shine. Maybe it's a strategic decision that says we want to go after an entirely new market segment we've never done before. That's okay. That might be part of an ABM strategy. But whatever that is, now I know my baseline. And now I set my performance goals on improving over baseline. Okay, that's... um... That's a good point. I, so you're saying don't go, don't go from the revenue target and go from from the start. And I think sometimes when marketers do that, say, okay, you know, we want to generate a million dollars, and that means three deals, and that means you know, twenty this, and then fifty that, and you know, it goes up the up the funnel. We have to. We still have to do that to get to the budgets and get to the math and look at like, I'm not saying like, I realize that most of the time that's how this stuff starts. Somebody somewhere at the board or the CEO or the head of sales says, our ABM program needs to generate $5 million. Come with me a plan. And so you need to get to the 5 million. The question is just, where do you start? And you don't start at the 5 million. You start at the analysis of your market opportunity. And then you build backwards to that 5 million and you say, okay, well, this group of people, the, the best ones, the chance that ones that we're going to win the most, the ones that we have the best chance of, that we already have in our database, that blah, blah, blah. We know all this criteria around them. Can we meet $5 million with them? If the answer is no, and it's almost always no, right? <laughs> <laughs> then what's the next layer? And then how do, what do we, what is that going to mean for us? What are we going to have to do to reach that next layer? How are we going to have to think about the types of programs we run, the types of acceleration that we have to do. Interesting. Interesting. So explain that a little bit more. Okay. So, uh, you know, I did the analysis and I'm like, oh my God, I, I'm not going to hit it. I'm not going to, it's not going to, not going to generate $5 million. And so you're saying go broader or? Yeah. So what, what I'm what saying you- is this is what happens. We need to do $5 million and I want you to target these hundred accounts and marketing goes, 100 accounts, let's do the analysis. Well, this 20% are not in market this year because they just bought something else. And this set, you know, like we start doing the math and you go, you're, you know, everything in the world has to go right to get $5 million out of these 100 accounts. We can't do that. So now we have to have the conversation. What's our goal? If $5 million is the real goal, then we need to look at what the next layer of circle of accounts is that makes sense for us to follow. If the goal is not the 5 million was just a number we drew out of our head and we took a guess at. Now we get back to the drawing. Okay, what do we want to do with this program? What are we trying to achieve? Again, sometimes it's a revenue goal. Sometimes it's a strategic market opportunity that we want to go over where it says, you know what, those 100 accounts really are the only ones that matter because we're trying to penetrate a new industry and we don't have any reference customers in that industry. And so we, so let's set what the real goal is. And maybe the real goal is we want three of the names off that list. That is more important than anything else because we're trying to penetrate a new industry. And now we measure around that. Right. 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 And so that's why it's really important to take that step back and remind ourselves what's the real objective 
of this ABM effort, right? Am I running a pilot to learn how to do this against 50 accounts? That's okay too. That might be the goal. A revenue number may be a goal and a target, but if we're purely experimenting and run running an experiment, we don't want to constrain ourselves to an artificial revenue number. We want to see how much we can optimize that. So then the goal might be an engage, the engagement score might be a much higher objective for us in that model than if I wasn't running a pilot. And that's why we have to start with the, what are we trying to achieve? What's the pool of companies that we can work with within that and start mapping all those connection points. And now we know what to measure. Yeah, that's that's a great point. That's a great point. How would you go if you know if you realize that hey, we need to really increase engagement in these accounts, and that should be our objective, like like you mentioned. How how would you go and communicate that to the leadership? Because I feel like sometimes the leadership would be like, here here here's marketing again with their fluffy metrics, and uh, you know, and and it, and it becomes a bit hard and. It is also this this notion where everybody, especially now, it's you know that the hip thing to do to say marketing is revenue oriented. Marketing, it's it's revenue marketing, right? It's pipeline marketing and stuff like that. How would you communicate that? That hey, at this point, we need to focus on engagement rather than your five million dollars at the end of the end of the pipeline. You know, I think there's a couple of ways that we do. First of all, we should share whatever the revenue goal of sales is. We should share it. We should own it. We're with them, right? Like that. But sometimes you have to go outside your norm to hit a revenue target, right? Like, you know, COVID hit and all of a sudden everybody's, a lot, not everybody's, right? All of a sudden, all these opportunities of people who had budget approvals, their budget's on hold. So are we just going to sit around and say, well, they're not in our ABM program, so we're not going after their revenue number? No, good marketers are going to go, okay, let's be realistic and adjust, but where are we going to pull that money from? What other things can we do to, to pull that in? And so we should share a revenue number, but we have to look at the things that matter. So when I said, you know, we need to look at engagement, that's the marketing metric. The sales metric of that might be the number of pipeline opportunities that have been added to the pipeline. If my sales process is 18 months long, and a lot of enterprise sales processes are that long or longer, I'm not going to hit any revenue this year. And if I attribute revenue to the program, I'm making it up because that's not how our customers buy, right? So maybe I look at win rate for a set of accounts that might have already been in pipeline. And now I want to look at, can we affect the win rate of those accounts? Maybe I want to look at number of new pipeline opportunities added within this class of accounts. So we need those revenue-ish metrics. It's just which ones we choose are going to be the difference between making the decisions that make sense for our business and decisions that just make us feel good, right? We want, the, we want to measure the things that are going to create the behavior we want on the marketing team. And not just on the marketing team, by the way right? This is a partnership with sales. Engagement scores aren't just about marketing activity. They're about sales and marketing activity. Oh, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's a great point. Okay. All right. Now, the other thing that I wanted to ask is even in, so we initially talked about some of the mistakes in terms of using traditional marketing or demand gen metrics for ABM. What are some of the mistakes that you've seen people make when they're trying to measure their ABM success going through an ABM model? So 
um, a couple of things happen. Sometimes what we do is we we miss steps in the workflows for non-ABM accounts. So sometimes we build rules into how we lead score that doesn't surface really good opportunities for us that are outside our, our set of accounts that we're targeting. And um, that is a, a dangerous and a, a slippery thing to do as a business, right? So if we go, I'm all, I love going all in an ABM, but all in doesn't mean I give up anything else that's outside of these account strategies that I'm going after. So we can't neglect the rest of the things that we do in, in marketing. So sometimes the mistake we make is, is focusing too much on only the specific set of accounts that I've identified. And that is not good from a long game perspective because that list is going to shift and morph over time. And maybe something like a pandemic is going to hit you and all of a sudden you've got to find some money somewhere else and and what what might happen. Or maybe you got a competitor that goes out of business and now you can go in and, and grab their thing. So it's not always bad things. It's sometimes it's really great opportunities that you'd miss. If you are if you are too narrow in how you approach it, so I like a balanced approach that that looks at both of those things. The worst thing that can happen is when we squabble over: does marketing get credit for this account or does sales? I could care less. If we're doing our job right, we worked it together, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's like, a, that's. I feel like that's a harder argument. That's a that's a hard argument to win. Uh, but it's it's a it's a it's very. Good to think about it that way, and and I think sometimes it's uh, marketing is like it's trying to justify, right? Because at the end of the day, sales is going to close it, so sales is definitely going to get credit if there's revenue that it go, goes in, and then marketing's like, you know, we touched the account here, and we, you know, we had a touch point here, and and look, we we did stuff, and uh, that becomes challenging. So you're saying organizations are have to have kind of two go-to-market strategy that one could be a ABM strategy and then one could be a more traditional um, demand gen. I don't think it's two go-to-market strategies. I think it's one go-to-market strategy, but it's not ABM exclusive, right? And there may be, so first of all, there are some businesses where an ABM exclusive model does make sense. It is very uncommon where that is the case. So you don't want to, you want to find that that right balance between between those things and make sure you're not turning off flow that might naturally come to you outside those. It's that you can serve and want to serve, right? You don't want to just take any customer that comes. You want to make sure it makes sense to you. But rarely are you in a scenario where I'm only... So there's been a couple of companies I'll work with, for example, one company that they really only sell to police departments. That's that They have a solution. It's very specific. That is all they sell if anybody else came to them, it's such a mismatch. I mean, maybe the technology could work, but it would be a really far departure. They're all on an ABM, right? Like that's all they have to do. They don't have to do anything else, but most businesses have some variety in the customers that they serve. Okay. We touched on compensation a little bit. And I want to ask you, is there a model that you've seen where marketers start to be compensated based on ABM metrics and revenue and, and specifically revenue. Like there's, I've, I've had a conversation with a couple of people and, and um, some people are for it and some people are against it to give a little bit of that sweet compensation check that sales gets to marketing. What, what have you seen when it comes to ABM in terms of compensation models for marketers? I think it depends on what type, 
what role you play on the marketing team. I think mm -hmm. it, it can vary. So if I'm a BDR who's doing meeting acquisitions and I'm on the phone, but I sit in the marketing team, I'm going to have something that might feel more like a commission structure than I'm a marketing strategist who's overseeing a lot of things. Most marketing people, bonus structures seem to work well, I think, that look at the, the sales metrics we're trying to hit and some of these other things. And can I do you know my bonus structure around that? We want to be careful to not turn marketing people into salespeople because salespeople are compensated for a certain set of activities over a short duration of time. Marketers need to be thinking about both after somebody becomes a customer and long, long, long before they become a customer. So, you, you know, I think there are ways to reward the, the end game and the long, uh, you know, of building a, an established relationship with an account specifically, but you want to be careful. You don't, you don't want your marketing people to make sales decisions. You want your salespeople to make sales decisions and your marketing people to make marketing decisions. Gotcha. Gotcha. So Matthew, this has been amazing. I, I, I very much love this conversation. I mean, we, we talked about pipeline, we talked about metrics, we talked about compensation, we talked about mistakes. Is there anything else that you think that maybe I should should have covered and I didn't ask that that could be valuable on, on these these topics? Oh my goodness. Now you're going to make me think about what, what didn't I say? I'm going to sit there and like analyze <laughs> my head really, try and analyze really fast. You know, I think at the end of the day, what matters in marketing for ABM is the same thing that matters in marketing across the board is consistency and looking for trends and patterns. We sometimes get lost in a particular account or a particular email series or a particular event. And those are dangerous for, we want to look at those, but we, we need to look at it holistically across um, and look for those patterns in those trends and make sure we're not doing exception marketing, which limits our ability to scale and be successful in the long run. Right, right, not having all the eggs in one basket. That's uh, that's great. Now, Samantha, if uh, if listeners are listen, interested to hear more or have more questions for you, what, what will be the best way for them to find out about you and, and, and get in touch? So um, they can go to marketingadvisorynetwork.com and my contact information is there. They're welcome to do that. I'm also on LinkedIn all the time so they can find me there. It's Samantha Stone Marketing. Um, I, I was early enough in my days to get Samantha Stone Marketing, but not early enough to get Samantha Stone. <laughs> so um, they can find me on LinkedIn as well. I love it. Well, thank you so much for, uh, for jumping on the podcast. I really appreciate it. And, uh, and we'll chat soon. Thank you for having me. Hey, it's Alex again from X Growth. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode. If you enjoyed it, we'd love it if you take a moment to rate us on Apple Podcasts. It would really help get the word out to other B2B professionals. If you're hungry for more B2B content, make sure to join our Slack channel at growthcolony.org forward slash Slack, where we share the latest B2B news tactics, tips, and chat about problems we're facing in the B2B space and find solutions together. That's growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you in the next episode.